0: Following is Andy's video, recorded on May 29th.
1: Hey everybody, Andy here with uh, Sports and Songs. Glad to see you all here today. It's been a couple weeks since our last show. Live show coming up tomorrow, nine fifteen Central Time. Uh, We're we'll back at it here again. Had some time off of the holidays there. Hope everybody's doing well. A couple things I want to get out here real quick beforehand. Um, first of all, Appreciate everybody watching the show, everybody who listens to it on the Anchor app. Really, really appreciate all that. One thing I want to talk about today is uh, some sports like baseball and and basketball. I talk about going back to playing in empty arenas, empty stadiums. I've been watching the Korean Baseball Organization, on ESPN, and they're playing in the empty stadiums. And it's kind of weird. I enjoy watching baseball. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But um, as a player, I don't know if I can handle that. Uh, you, You need that crowd stuff. The crowd reaction. Um, baseball, basketball, hockey. You, you need that. Now, NASCAR has gone on doing it without a crowd. They've been playing on empty tracks. And that's okay because you can't hear them during the race. I mean, the drivers, we would say, they, they forget about the crowd during the race. That's all part of the deal. So it could work for NASCAR. It could work for golf because golf has to be quiet when you golf. So it works for them, too. Um, you could say bowling, but you know what? The way bowling's expanded and everything on TV, you get that crowd reaction afterwards, so that would be kind of weird, I think, for the pros. I know amateur level, it's kind of a smaller crowd, so maybe, but I don't know if it works much for bowling, but NASCAR and golf, I think it could work. Maybe tennis? I don't know, but again, like bowling, you get that after the point crowd reaction. Um, so those, we would have to see how it goes. I want to hear your thoughts down below in the comments. Do you, do you think it be fun to watch or is it fun to watch baseball in an empty stadium could you watch basketball or hockey it's been playing in an empty stadium or it feels too much like you're watching just a practice because no one's there if you've played one of those sports I want to hear your reaction going hey I don't know if I can handle playing in an empty stadium or playing's playing I'll do what I can you know I kind of want to hear some reactions from you guys on it I personally don't know if I can handle it as a player I want to feed off the crowd and everything else that's me then again that's my pipe dream to play so what would I know uh, I think it comes down to money also. How how are you going to generate all this money you've got no fans there? You're turning on the lights and the power in all these buildings, and there's no one paying for it. TV contracts weren't that great. I mean, there were billions of dollars, but really, you're still putting in people to work on the field. you got the medics there. Uh, cameras are still there. The announcers may not be there, but they're still getting a check. Who's paying them? Where is this income and revenue coming from? Don't know. I personally, I like watching games. I don't like watching the old rerun games. Sometimes I do, but when they say, hey, here's the game where Player X got his 2,000th hit, don't care. Just show me a game between Cincinnati and the Dodgers, for all I care. Just show me a regular game. It doesn't have to be where a special event happened. I just want to watch a game. So that would be better for me as a fan watching. Again, what's your opinion? I want to hear what you guys have to say. But I'm going to leave it at that right here. I appreciate you watching this. I want you to see some comments below, and don't forget Saturday this week, nine fifteen Central Time, we'll have our new show on Be Live and on Facebook Live, and then later that day it'll be available on the YouTube
0: and on our Anchor
1: app for the audio. And sometimes in the audio on the Anchor, you might get some bonus features, bonus uh discussions. So check those out. Thanks a lot.
0: Well cast for May thirtieth, the year twenty twenty. I am your co-host Dan. Along with me is Andy. How are you doing today?
1: I am well, thank you.
0: How are you doing? Well, it's the uh, we're getting close to the end of May here. June's right around the corner, and once again with the with the COVID and the shutdown, we're gonna have, we're forced to talk about different types of uh, subjects here on the show rather than live sporting events and results and live up to date. But we've got plenty for the show today. You've got some good things. I've got some good things. Of course, we've got our Music, musical segment, This Day in Music, This Day in Sports. And I think we'll start off probably first here with our social media posts for the week. Andy, let us, let us know here what's been posted and what I'll do is bring up the images.
1: All right, yeah, we're kind of trying something different now because there's, like I said, no sports to go. I gonna kind of recap the social media from the last week. Uh, Bartolo Colon, Big Sexy, earlier put out this week that he'd like to try to make a comeback for uh, baseball. Which got me thinking, you take guys like Bartolo Colon or Matt Harvey, who recently got let go. If you were a team right now in baseball and you got half a season they're looking at playing or just over 100 games, you take the chance signing one of these two guys for a year. Um, we'll s- stick with the Mets, for example. Syndergaard's having Tommy John surgery. So you lost him for the year, plus a little bit of next year, if rehab goes as normal for most so since you're only playing a half a season, though, do you take a chance on Cologne? Do you take a chance on a Matt Harvey or another guy out there with maybe one year left to see what he's got? Just as a filler in to see what you got going on. I mean, if it's a half-year contract, these guys want to try, or do you call up one of your minor leaguers and give him a shot now, this is how you got to work it. We'll see what's going on. But that's kind of an interesting point right there, which kind of brings to the next point, uh, Mark DeShera ex-New York Yankee first baseman. He's uh, on ESPN, I believe, now, every now and then. But he had a thing out of a quote. He said, I would rather make pennies on the dollar and give people hope and give hope to people and play baseball than not make anything and lose an entire year of my career. That being said, I suppose at the end of his career, you're trying to live that one last season, a year off, could be detrimental to a veteran side the mindset he's coming from. A lot of the younger players are looking at it going, hey, I'm young yet, I'm okay if I miss a year. I can use the time to get healthy, but I do I, I, I see I see Texas' point on that, but, again, like I've covered before, I, I don't know, I'd rather, don't know, if I'd want to play without the crowd there. Uh, That's
0: dip- I, I can see the different, point, It's a different setting, sure, sure.
1: You know, like I said, it depends on where you are in your career, how you'd feel on that, too. Like I said, if him at the end of his career, someone who's just finished, you want that one more – Jose said in Major League, that one more season in the sun, you know. But you're young enough, Like some of those rookies that are kind of barking about their money and this and that, they're okay taking a year off. So we'll see. Um, we had another post. They listed uh, the most passionate fans. Uh, different teams are the most passionate fans. Had the Packers on there, the Patriots, the Saints. Um, mostly a lot of football to start with. Uh, Golden State Warriors were at Seven all the cities, Thunder at 9, and the Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins for hockey were at 9. I don't know. I thought we had passionate fans here in Minnesota for the Vikings. Remember every time you turn around, you can't see, you know, go to any store. Someone's wearing a Viking shirt somewhere. And I thought we were passionate. I can just imagine how bad it must be in these other towns then.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, yes.
1: I thought the Purple had a good following here. Or I guess not, compared to some of these other cities. So, um, That's kind of interesting. I just, we had a question a while ago, too, about, your favorite teams? Just kind of wondering. Okay, you say you live in Minnesota, but your favorite team is the Mets. You wear a lot of Mets gear now. You know, you stick out little sore thumb. What's
0: What's your hat say? Oh yes, yes. Uh, I
1: have the Mets logo on there. Yes. Bingo, bingo. Yeah, still proud. Um, college football. NSIC. Uh that's where Bemidji State plays. Smaller conference in Minnesota. Because of the COVID-19, they're kind of coming down, trying to reset their schedule for next year. They, they cover four or five states already in that little conference because of being northern Minnesota, they Michigan, it's Nebraska, Iowa, and that. Um, and Dakotas. So they're kind of figuring their schedule, what could we do with the least amount of travel? Um, Schedules, like some teams might only play eight games, some may play 11. Is everybody okay with that? So the, I think the thing I'm trying to get is, I like the fact they're making a plan now and not wait until first week of September going, well, now what? So they're trying to figure out their schedules now, minimum games, uh, stuff like that, get all their scenarios ready. Now, that's a smart thing that they're doing on their part for the small colleges like that to get things set, get a plan of action now instead of waiting. And speaking of the small colleges up there, uh, the WCHA Hockey, College Hockey, again, where Bemidji stays located. One of the schools there was University of Alabama, Birmingham. UAB. Or UAB, yes. Yep. For UAH, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, not Alabama.
0: Oh, sorry.
1: Huntsville, I'm sorry, not Birmingham. Huntsville, Huntsville.
0: okay, Michael's. yes, yes.
1: Huntsville. Um, they said earlier this week they have to cancel their hockey program. They don't have the funding for it. They're shutting it down. Sorry, see you, bye. I just read this morning that a the fundraiser, they raised... $500,000 in a fundraiser, and two people match 125 each. So they raised three-quarters of a million dollars, and they're able to save them to play Division One again next year.
0: Mm.
1: You don't think of Alabama as a hockey town. No, <laughs> no, to no. Hockey very much. Must be growing down there pretty good. they got 3 quarter of a million to save the team for one more year. So respect to that, showing, you know, hockey's got respect down south. That's kind of cool to see. Still hard to accept, but fun to see, <laughs> you know. But uh, so it'll be interesting now. They've raised the funds for it for one year. Again, they'll be in Huntsville, playing a lot of teams up north. We'll see how their travel schedule changes. Uh, maybe they'll play so like two games. They'll stay up here for a week and play maybe then, you know, Duluth or St. Cloud afterwards since they're up here. Maybe when we have teams go down there, we'll they'll let them have like a, three weeks of a home to, for travel. We'll see how that works, but – Very nice to see how they uh, raised money from the fans and the alumni. That was pretty cool. Uh, The NHL hockey is thinking of coming back. They've got their plan of action coming in for a tournament for the Stanley Cup. And they listed uh, a good dozen cities uh, of what they picked for hub cities, they said. What their plan was is uh, we're going to play in a few cities to cut down travel on so many teams, stay in an area, all the games there. Uh, The Twin Cities, uh, St. Paul. XL Energy Center was picked as one of the venues. Uh, if you've been watching the news locally, that's what came out with uh, the protests here in the Twin Cities, pretty sure we could cross them off the list right about now. But uh, <laughs> see the other ones: Los Angeles, California, because you got a lot of teams in the West Coast; they so can play there. Vancouver, Vegas, so you got a lot of West Coast teams all buying Dallas, Texas, for uh, some of those teams. Chicago, I think, would be a good point right there. They'd be a nice hub. Pittsburgh would be a good hub. They got a good following there. Toronto. I like the fact a lot of the West Coast teams are, are stepping up, but we need more help on East here because there's a lot a lot of teams on the East Coast. we ask you to see what's going on. I'd like to see Tampa Bay step up. I mean, they got a nice facility down there. They've held the NCAA Hockey Final Four down there. Frozen Four, sorry.
0: Nice. Down
1: there, so they've got some good facilities. I'd like to see Tampa step up as a location. That'd be kind of exciting to see down there, too. But um, they also listed what their potential seedings would be because they got 12 teams in right now. They're making it 12 teams instead of eight. It puts the Minnesota Wild in there in the playoffs. Puts them, I think, where we were sitting at. We were a ten seed. We played number seven Vancouver in the playoffs. So, oh with a good rivalry with the Wild and Vancouver Canucks, that would be kind of exciting to see. I don't know. I kind of wish it was stuck with eight teams, but since they had to shorten the season, all these bubble teams and everything else. Where do you draw that line for bubble teams? But they're uh, setting on. They haven't set a date yet. Uh, hockey is looking at returning. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, get, get the ball rolling again. Get people back out there. Uh, Speaking of the teams going up the NFL, they're coming out with their schedules saying, hey, we're planning on having full stadiums all the time. And you know what? That's great. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're optimistic. But you know what? It ain't happening. We're not going to have full st- stadiums in September. Uh, we have breaking news. Uh, the NFL has got to be more realistic and not get the fans all over excited. All the fans are saying, Hey, we got full stadiums. You're not gonna have that. It's not gonna happen. Um. So yeah, I that know. I
0: think I think that's a stretch. I agree.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have to suck it up and admit they're gonna have three quarter or I mean one third stadiums at best. So we'll see how they go with that. Uh, speaking of football, college football. A lot of college football college or colleges said, "Hey, we'll open it up for the football teams to come in and work out if they need to." The, into the weight rooms. We know we've closed the campus down for everybody else, but if the football players want to come work out for a little bit, that's okay. I think that's crap. Um, you got know, other athletes who want to come and work out too. Why can't they come in? Um, academic wise, you got students who are there academic reasons. They want to come and talk to professors and do other stuff. Uh, or say the engineering kids or band, they want to come and use the band room. They're not allowed in. Why? Because they don't make the school millions of dollars a year like football. Don't like the way the NCAA is obviously showing their hand and picking favorites here. They got his debate. you got other kids who want to use that school too, a lot of them. Don't just narrow it down to your almighty dollar on the football. Um we did ask a question, got some replies for uh we mentioned that yes, we are a Minnesota based operation here. But what we do cover other teams. I you know I, I drop the Mets as much as I can on there. We ask people what else they want to see. So replies we got. More at the University of North Carolina. We'll mention the Tar Heels every now and then. Nice. Although we kind of love Tar Heels a lot because we always mention when Duke loses. So that's kind of Tar Heel love in a way, too. So that's kind of there. I had a vote for the Denver Broncos. Kobe, we mentioned Horace's birthday last episode. We are talking about the Broncos. So cut that back. Nice. A couple of people said the Vikings. And, yeah, we will get more Broncos and Vikings stuff when that season comes. Uh, also, had one person uh, said they want New England, and she goes, No, wait, I mean Tampa Bay because she was a Tom Brady fan.
0: Oh, yes, and Gronk.
1: I said, so That's cool. I We've covered the, Bron- the Buccaneers more because, well, they did draft two Gophers, so we probably will cover them a little bit too. So. True, so
0: true. We some
1: Minnesota connection, and they're the, the Broncos, or the Buccaneers. Um, that's the Facebook stuff I got. The Facebook Instagram post. Uh, there was a post on Instagram that was on yesterday. You can go to Instagram and see that now, or when we move this to the anchor podcast for later, you can catch it on there too. But um, you got any thoughts on any of that stuff, Dan? Any of the topics we cover there about pitchers coming back for one last hurrah, or colleges being allowed to let teams in to work out and stuff?
0: I think uh, I think the difference that I've got. I agree with you on the fact that the. Uh, this, the colleges and universities have many, many people there on scholarships, and you had mentioned just the athletes are allowed to come back in. But you've got people there on academic scholarships, uh, the band, uh, things like that, uh, music, the, uh, all sorts of scholarships other than just sports. And so, I I agree they're showing their hand there because that's what makes them the the cash. Well, the one
1: thing people I remember this the. College football, when they have their tournament, the bowl series, the final four games, the final four teams, that's not run by the NCAA. That's a separate deal that runs that. And there is talk about some of the big five colleges or the big five conferences in football breaking away from the NCAA and becoming their own thing. Mm. With that, that helps with the whole players getting paid and everything else. They break off football-wise. Those guys can get paid for endorsements and video games and stuff like that. In a way, I'm okay with that because I know when I was in college, I had a part-time job, full-time job for some people. I had a part-time job. I was able to get paid. I got no problem with a football player or a basketball player picking up a part-time job for extra money. And I know from just knowing college football players and other athletes, they still get a check. They get a, a stipend. So they are kind of getting paid. They get a few hundred dollars a month. They're getting a free education. Sorry you're not getting paid by the NCAA for your video game thing, but how is that fair to the second-string punter on your team? He's not, does he get the same check as the star quarterback for the video games? How that's all going to work out? I guess the thing I got problem with the college players getting paid too is the swimmers and the divers, they don't get the big endorsement contracts. It's all football and basketball because they're basically the minor league for those two sports.
0: Well, you've got gymnastics and things like that, too, and track and field that don't get the uh, uh, the, uh, the praise and the glory.
1: You get one person out of the whole country a year who's the, every four years, who's the Olympic hero. You know, the Katie Ledeckis of the world for swimming who come out once every four years. Okay, there's one athlete out of how many in all these other sports, you know. So I kind of have a problem with them in getting paid endorsements. If they got paid a, a, hey, you get a percentage of all your jersey sales. You wore number eight, and every eight jersey that was sold your four years at school, you got a cut. I'm okay with that. But the video game part, that's the NCAA. That's helping pay your scholarships. That's helping pay your travels, your this and that. So if you're on a good enough team, you're looking like a rock star as you travel anyway, so what are you complaining up for? You want to get paid a few hours for $100. I see these athletes sitting there. They want to get paid. Oh, I'm not getting paid. Cash in your earrings are going to make what I make in a week. You know, so don't tell me you're not getting paid.
0: (laughs) True, true. Yeah, that's all I got for the uh, social media uh, aspect for this week.
1: Yeah, um, so so keep checking out our social media sites. A lot of these topics we came up with today were off the Facebook page or the Instagram page. Uh, Feel free to comment over there on those. We have no problem reading those and telling you if you're right or wrong or uh, bantering back and forth with you. Uh, So give us uh, your thoughts there.
0: Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the sports, and we'll go from there. Um, okay. You've got some good, good things here coming up, and I've got some images. What I'll do is show them up on the screen here as they pop up.
1: Again, like I said, the last two weeks, so kind of go with me, and i shorten the list up here for sports birthdays. We'll start with May 16th, which was my uh, last one. 1984, Phillies pitcher Steve Carlton hits a grand slam. Nice. Pitcher home runs are really rare. Pitcher home runs are rare anyway, but a grand slam—I thought that was pretty cool for Luffy to get a grand slam there. Also, in 1984, this is how dollars have changed, boys and girls. Mackey paid $218,000 for 44,000 tickets to keep the Twins in Minnesota. To keep the Minnesota Twins here, and he sold 50, just short of 52,000 tickets. Only 6,000 people showed up for the game. 1984 was some pretty lean
0: years for the Twins.
1: I recall. Oh yes. I remember my uh my cousin told me a story back in '84 in the Times. Him and his buddies would go to the Twins games there in uh, August, and that's when they'd have their fantasy football drafts at the Twins game. Excellent. Oh yes, that's awesome. Uh, May
0: 17,
1: 1915. Uh... Cubs' George Zabel, Zip Zabel, comes into relief with two outs in the first inning. He winds up pitching a 4-3, 19-inning win. So not only he went 19 innings, you know two guys go more than seven now. Yeah, wow. He came out have a bullpen and went 19 innings, so for the, that's considered the longest relief appearance ever, obviously. 1998, sad news in Twins history. New York Yankees pitcher David Wells tosses a perfect game in a four nothing win against the Twins at Yankee Stadium. Uh, some urban legend on that game. I don't know if you heard all this. Uh, David Wells had gone out the night before, I guess.
0: There's, so, a, I've got an image up there now.
1: Uh, the
0: yep, David Wells.
1: And also his hat was an old Babe Ruth hat he had, or, a, or some old vintage hat he was wearing that day. I said it was his regular hat too. So but David Wells liked to go out. Live the Babe Ruth lifestyle, yes. Uh, May eighteenth, nineteen twelve, A's beat the Tigers twenty-four to two because the Tigers used all amateur players in support of Ty Cobb, who was suspended at the time. Ty Cobb wasn't liked by many people in baseball, except for those he played with, because that's how good a player he was. But, but. yeah, they, they uh, bent. Everybody said, "No, we had playing so they used amateurs and lost 24-2. to uh, Speaking of perfect games, 2004. Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Randy Johnson, the big unit, becomes the 16th pitcher to throw a perfect game in a 2-0 win over Atlanta. I think at the time he was the oldest guy to throw a perfect game, too, if I recall. May 19th. 1976 birthdays. young man named Kevin Garnett 15-time NBA All-Star, was born in Greensboro, South Carolina. We got a picture of a young Kevin Garnett on draft day, number 21. Back when he had hair. <laughs> Remember when Garnett came in? He was just so scrawny and so little. You yeah, know, he just, he just a
0: high school kid, yeah. <clears throat>
1: yeah, 70, he was born in 76. So yeah, big, big birthday for KG. May 20th Birthdays. Nineteen. 18, Phil Hansen. NFL... Defensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, also went to school at North Dakota State. So love to Phil Hansen. He played for the Bills. He was there in their uh, four Super Bowl runs. Phil is on an announcer, I believe, in the Bison Network up there. I don't know if he does TV, radio, or whatever, but uh, he still contacts with the Bison, shows up at games. Uh, Phil has a very, very nice guy for whatever. Very good guy. Yeah, uh, I went to college when he was in the pros. I was at school North Dakota State, and when I was there, is when the Bills were making their Super Bowl runs. So we kind of had a uh, during some more games, one of the drinking games was every time they mentioned Phil Hansen's name. So, And sadly, Phil was a good player, so his name got mentioned a lot. Birthdays, May 21st, number 14, Kent Herbeck was born this day, 1960. Um, Kent was uh, on the cover of Sports Illustrated one time, there it is. I remember getting that issue as a kid, the best for the worst. Um, also, there was a stat a while ago, too. Kent Herbeck was called up, his first call up, played in Yankee Stadium, his first at-bats was a home run. I can't remember, I think his first year, jersey number was in the 40s or something like that. You, know, you get called up halfway through the year, you get a different number.
0: He was, uh, that maybe, but he wore 26 before he changed to 14.
1: Maybe it was 26. 26. Yeah, it was, yeah I know it wasn't 14. It was the first number, yeah. But there he is, and, uh, he was accused of pulling Ron Gant off first, base. I don't know. <laughs> That never happened. They actually made a bobblehead of that, too. I saw it as a bit of history, or notes for this. A bobblehead of that. I thought that was pretty exciting. Uh, 1997, on this day, the Twins retired Kirby Puckett's jersey number 34. Kirby Puckett, second greatest twin player ever. Kind of missed Kirby. I wonder how his career would have ended up, what he would have done after baseball. And I think Kirby would have ever gotten into coaching or announcing or anything like that.
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that was his his deal. Uh, you know, after he retired, <clears throat> he kind of kind of fell apart. You know, I I don't know if he would have been a good manager guy, a good broadcaster type of a guy, or what he would have done. But uh, baseball was obviously
1: the way he retired. His why if he would have got to play out a career and retire the way he wanted to, and because so, of injury, yeah, it would have been different. But that could yeah, be Kirby he missed, uh has to hear his stories every now and then at reunion shows and stuff. But yeah, Kirby Puckett's number was retired in 1997. 1969, Martinsville, Virginia. Todd Hundley, Mets catcher. Birthday, born 1969 on May 27th. Here we go. Todd, uh, backup catcher mostly. Throwback old school guy, there he is. Big number nine. Uh, good player, though. Good versatile player. He had a long career for, for a catcher, backup catcher, had a good career. 1976, Richard Park was born in Seoul, Korea. He was an NHL center. He uh, had a cup of coffee with the Wild when they started. Uh, he played some little Olympics for the Korea. He had, had a good part of his career with the Penguins there. I think he got a stand Cup of with the Penguins. But he did play for the Wild for a little bit. Richard Park. 1990, Ricky Henderson becomes number three on the all-time steals list, passing Ty Ka at 839. Find my notes, I was stuff on Mr. Ricky here. Or by note for Ricky here he is. Ricky's the man. Up, Ty Cobb. He ended up passing Lou Brock later on for first. Uh Lou Brock had nine hundred and thirty-eight. Ricky Henderson ended up with one thousand four hundred and six stolen bases. Just to put that in perspective, fourteen oh six for Ricky Henderson over a twenty one year career. <laughs> That's just under sixty seven a season. Billy Hamilton right. nine hundred and twelve
0: that's unreal
1: thirteen year career stole nine hundred bases in thirteen years just over from eighteen eighty eight to nineteen oh one he played Wow but, uh, so he was just over seventy a year so he had a better percentage of Ricky, but that's not, not cutting strike seasons for Ricky or any injury seasons, but Ricky Henderson uh, I remember when he passed Lou Brock it was I am the greatest speech that was oh yes. And Ricky went on to to be a base coach for a while. He was a base coach for the Mets for a couple years and tried coaching the minors for a while. Ricky liked to hear Ricky talk.
0: He loved himself very uh, much, yeah, loved. Very narcissistic, but very good. That guy was one of the best athletes.
1: Yeah, he was was a pure athlete, yeah. Uh, Birthdays, May 30th, 1955, Jake the Snake Roberts from the WWE fame, now in AEW, was born. 1955, Jake Roberts. Here we Warren. go. Built it. There's a picture of Jake the Snake that everybody remembers as a kid. Yep. Jake now doesn't have the hair as much anymore. Um, he has fought, battled, and beat substance abuse problems. Uh, that's why he's back at AEW right now. Uh, doing some managerial work down there and working with the talent. So he's still in the business. Still looks pretty good, all things considered. But Jake was, Jake was a little different character back in the day. Birthdays. May thirty first, nineteen fifty seven. Jim Craig, of uh, the U.S. Olympic hockey team, the Miracle Team. Uh, yeah, I know it's the 31st session, but it's Jim Craig. It's the Miracle Team.
0: There we go. There we go. Look at that. Look at that shot. That's awesome.
1: Yep. Look at the old masks and pads back then, too. Holy cow. Yeah, but you know, Boston boy. I did end up uh, signing with the Bruins afterwards, and. Played with the Atlanta Flames for a while, too. The Atlanta Flames hot. <clears throat> nice. We had a brief coffee there. And, uh, he was a decent guy. He was, I mean, considering he was from Boston, he was a decent guy. Jim Craig, good kid right there. And that's what I got for sports. We'll uh, roll into this week in music history. May 16th, 1987. YouTube makes it big with... The song "With or Without You" it's the first off their album "The Joshua Tree." The next single still have a phone. I'm looking for goes number one also. "Joshua Tree" ended up being a very big album for YouTube two. Um, they they had good success beforehand. That was really their big breakout hit. Uh, for them, "Joshua Tree" was a great album. Uh, considering I'm not in that bad type of music, I really did enjoy that album. Uh, Bono's a great singer, great lyricist. Um, Really, if you get a chance to listen to that album, it's a really good album those two. 1975, Kiss plays at the Cobo Arena in Detroit, recording in it for what is their live album. They record their first live album there. That album won gold. In September, Bob Seger said, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to record in the same arena. Bob Seger later that you recorded live bullet, and that album won gold. So,
0: Yeah, here it is. I've got them on, uh, on the screen here now for the, for the listeners. Yeah.
1: Both both albums recorded in the same arena in the same year as live albums, and both went out pretty big, so it's pretty cool, it's in the same arena, I thought it was pretty interesting. 1966, Miss Jackson, Janet Jackson, is born in Gary, Indiana. Uh, Janet did a lot of recording here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, with Jimmy Jam and Perry Lewis, when she did her stuff, Um, so she has spent some time here. I I believe they used Paisley Park to record her, her stuff at, too, so Janet... She's kind of one of us, then, since she recorded here, so we like her. 2010, Black Sabbath singer Ronnie James Dio comes to stomach cancer and passes away at the age of 68. Ronnie James Dio is kind of considered in music kind of like a, kind of like Lemmy was with Motorhead or like Ted Nugent is now. It was like, everybody, when they speak, everybody pays attention or they all got respect for him. Ronnie had a great, great career. Um, started out Black Sabbath, went on his own, did Dio stuff. Started the whole horns thing, and the story behind the hand gesture there, from what I understand, it was something his Grandma always did. He yes, sort of
0: it, it it, yes, it was.
1: It really just means nothing. I don't, I don't know what it really means. It was something Grandma did, so he did it. He <coughs> something. Ronnie James Dio, a true icon. May seventeenth, twenty seventeen. After performing a song garden in Detroit, Chris Cornell is found dead in his apartment from an apparent suicide at age 52. I uh, know we covered Chris Cornell here in the past, of song and everything else, but um, another great talent gone way, way too early. Love to find out what he would have done later on in his career. And,
0: so, and that was another Detroit connection. He, he died in the, in the MGM Hotel uh, after a show yeah. in Detroit. So uh, another connection back to not Cobo Hall, but once again Detroit yeah. and the music uh, system, uh, another connection there.
1: Yeah, that, that's another guy who I'd love to see what his career would have been later on in life. I'd love to see what he could have kept doing. Different genre of music, but still, as a kid, one of my favorites as a kid growing up. May 18th, 1974. During streaking craze of full exposure, Ray Stevens hits number one with his song called The Streak. Remember it? When I saw came out, I was four or five years old. Of course, I thought it was hilarious. But uh, Ray Stevens had a lot of comedic songs in there. Had a few serious songs, but... Ray Stevens with The Streak. Uh, 1952. Birthday. George Strait. He was born in Texas on this, that day, 1952. Um, George Strait's one of those performers, kind of like uh, Trace Atkins. The wife refers to him as, she'd watch him sit and read the phone book if he sat there read, you know, just that talented. I say talented, she says, sure, whatever. But yeah, George Strait, Loved by millions yeah. I think he had the first concert in the new Texas stadium uh, Sold it out The football stadium on there So,
0: okay.
1: Happy birthday to George Strait 1979 May 19th, 1979 Waylon Jennings and his wife Jessie Became parents to Waylon Albright Sh- Shooter Jennings Shooter Jennings If you get a chance to listen to his stuff He's not just popular because of who's, who's old man is it may help him get into business, but Shooter Jennings has some really good stuff out there if you get a chance to listen to it on. Uh, Spotify, who owns Anchor, shameless plug. Um, Shooter Jennings, really good to listen to him. Uh, Shooter played his dad in Waylon in some movies, especially the Johnny Cash movie. Shooter played his dad in that, so uh, look that up. But Good good listen right there. May 23rd, 1969, The Who released the album Tommy, the rock opera about a deaf and blind boy who plays Yeah, nice concept, and it turns out to be a great album with Tommy. Good album there. Uh, some bands have tried to redo the rock opera of it. It's not the same. It's not the who. But Tommy is a pretty good song. 1977. Kiss. Um, story is, they had the comic books made. They had some of their own blood put into the red ink for the printing of the comic book. And knowing Gene and Paul and the KISS history. Yes, there's actual pictures. Oh, look, they're having their blood drawn. Oh, look, they're pouring the ink in the the blood in the ink. Did they? They Yeah, hobby. Sure,
0: they're blood drawn. Was that really their blood they put in the ink? Who knows? Yeah, what what it goes to show is, here's an image here. uh, They each had it in there. They were very big in the comic book business, but once again, I'm sure this was a Gene Simmons concept. Hey, let's let's uh put some of the blood uh, and i think it was a few drops of each member of the right. band uh into the comic book and here is an image here uh of the comic book that uh, the cover and them on the right side they're standing next to the printing press or the ink machine uh they were uh, poured that vial in there and basically said that this yep. entire issue um, has a small percentage of the member's blood in that uh, deal. So that was a Gene Simmons concept and uh, a good, gr- a good one. Once again, it was uh, they did anything, anything they oh, could for advertising, media marketing. Yes. <clears throat> what what year was that? What year was that, Andy? That
1: was in um seventy seven.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they were so far ahead of everybody else on marketing with lunchboxes and action figures and cartoons and stuff like that. Kiss Meets the Phantom for the movie, you know, everything. They were did a Scooby Doo special. I mean, the only thing they didn't do was Gilligan's Island. Like, <laughs> and I'm, sure they, asked.
0: I'm yeah. sure they asked.
1: 1967, Beatles released their trademark Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album in the uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, probably one of the greatest albums of all time. Uh, my favorite Beatles album of all time is Sgt. Pepper's, agree one of the five best albums of all time. Just every song on there is a good song. And it was just it was a little different, but for those times, it was a good song, and a lot of songs held up. I really do enjoy the album. May twenty seventh, twenty fourteen. Fifty cent. You're going 50 Cent. Oh, yes. Um, if, You can find this on our YouTube page. Later, we'll put it up. I'm going to do the show there, if you can find it on YouTube yourself. He throws out the first pitch at the Mets game, missing the catcher by about 20 feet. Um, Tops later produced a baseball card showing the moment. And there he is. And, you know, you feel bad for the guy because, you know, anyone that's got to go throw the first pitch, I've heard athletes and singers and actors all say it's very, very stressful. You know, you figure it's just simply throwing a ball. Well, look at 50 set. He's a, a big, tough, bad rapper and he's 20 feet off the <clears throat> plate. You
0: know, so Yeah, there's the image now. They made the, like you said, they made a baseball card of him throwing the ball, the infamous ball, and, and believe me, it's about 20 feet off, like you said. We'll put that image, that actual video link, but... Uh, <laughs> He's wearing a Mets jersey, a Mets cap, and he's got this goofy goofy looking throw here coming in called first pitch by fifty fifty cent.
1: And you can almost tell by his hand in the pitch right there, it's not going over home plate.
0: No, no. He <laughs> We'll put the link in the on the YouTube channel. It's uh it's it's pretty comical to watch.
1: I mean, to show he was so far off home plate, kinda like a bull during when he hit the mascot. That's about how far off he was.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Classic. But uh... Classic. When I hear for uh, May thirty first, twenty fourteen, Michael Jackson becomes the first artist in the top ten with five consecutive for five consecutive decades. He had a song in the top one hundred. Uh, never feels so good reached number nine in twenty fourteen. So he went five straight decades of having a song in the top one hundred.
0: That is unbelievable.
1: I mean, even you know, a lot of the older guys they do a duet with someone, or maybe it Five decades—that's pretty good. And then uh, here's an interesting one. 1961, Jimi Hendrix, which we covered last episode, of the episode before, we had Jimi Hendrix on. Uh, enlists in the army at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and is a member of the 101st Airborne. Signs up for three years, but is honorably discharged. A little bit out over a year. Uh, standing becomes because, because of an ankle injury in a parachute jump. More likely because of, he was a lousy soldier.
0: <laughs> but I've got the so image. I've never seen that photo, Andy. That's pretty good.
1: And there he was, 101st Airborne. So shout out to the Airborne. Yeah, there he is. Just imagine, Jimi Hendrix was stuck with the military instead. There he is. But that is what I got for music, sir. Uh,
0: I've got a. Uh, I've got a uh, a shout out, a sports shout out, actually, this week. A local, you know, our show here is is based really Carver County. Western Carver County, as we are the fastest growing podcast in Western Carver County. We did have a uh, friend of ours here, a friend of the show, Kaylee Van Epps, junior out of Chaska High School, going to be a senior this coming year, uh, did Letter of Intent and National Signing Day. Uh, She's going to be going to Lehigh, Lehigh University. Uh, So she's got a year left to play. And uh, in high school, Chaska's got the very good girls basketball squad uh, getting upset last year uh, when they should have been probably into the state. But look for this group to be um, probably for sure in the state this coming year. Kaylee's going to be a uh, senior. She's signed on for the mid. It's a it's a D1 school in the Patriot Patriot League in Lehigh in Pennsylvania. And um, so she played. Kaylee played many years with the Fury. Uh, the traveling team here uh, the competitive team but uh, as a 5 foot 10 boy she can do uh, uh as a guard forward point guard and hit the 3 uh, a lot of points over 1000 points scored in her career at Chaska Hawks but that's all I've got here for for sports
1: She plays the 1 2 and the 3 as they like to call it
0: <laughs> That's all I've got for uh for sports uh this week Anything well, else
1: Lockman this
0: the album of the week here. I'm going to bring it up. You everyone's going to know this one. Um uh, Nirvana Nevermind. Yep. And so the reason I've got this is multiple reasons. Number 1 is if you check this out this day yesterday a 1991 after completing the record uh, recording in 1991 of the Nevermind album, Nirvana played a last-minute show at the Jabberjaw in Los Angeles. In the audience was Iggy Pop, Dave, Girl's, Dave Grohl's girlfriend, and L seven bassist Jennifer Finch. No, not the softball pitcher. I don't believe. No. No, no. So. so, uh, and and Finch brought along her best friend to the show, named Courtney Love. And so this was, uh, so what, twenty, twenty nine years ago this yesterday it was 29 years ago yesterday on the 29th that this would happen now we all know that uh, Kurt Cobain went on to date get engaged marry and have a daughter with uh with 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 Courtney Love but they met after going to a show and this album went so big and we all know uh, uh Courtney Love as the money hungry gal that she was once this took big she glommed on right away to Kurt Cobain and the rest became history but the album I'm going to review here Today is Nevermind by Nirvana. The connections uh, is what's going to be interesting today with with this show is the, is the Minnesota connections. So. Jimmy Jam and it Does that
1: have something to do with this?
0: No, it. Uh, oh, okay. No, it doesn't. It it's uh. Here, let me let me get my screen here set up. Uh, so the Nirvana album, we've got a bunch of things to go through here with this. Number one. They, uh, it's it's one of the most iconic album covers of all time. Now that child, that infant child, I'm going to show you a photo of what he looks like today. This our listeners, our listeners will get a kick out of this. Here's the man. Here's the man, Spencer Eldon. There he is. He's a model today, but uh, he was brought on, dumped in the pool. There they got some images him and his father his father says you can use my my kid in the pool for some shots uh, for some images for the album cover they took i think it took a total of 15 minutes got some shots gave the dad 200 bucks and on the way he went uh but this this became such such an iconic album cover of the if it's an infant in a in the in a pool chasing the almighty dollar on a hook and so it's kind of a it's kind of a gist on the uh, the general public, people in general, uh, chasing, chasing the money. But Nirvana wasn't even a band that was really heard of back then. They didn't know who they were. They had one album out called Bleach. And then uh, they said, you know what, let's, let's get a new drummer. Let's get another drummer in here. Uh, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, uh, later became the Foo Fighters, was in a band called Scream that just disbanded. He didn't have a place to go. He was a a drummer. Uh, They said, let's bring him in. Let's bring him into the band. So they bring in Dave Grohl into the band as the drummer, released this album called uh, Nirvana, Never Mind, in which case all the songs are recorded in Van Nuys' studio in California except one song, the song named Polly, was recorded in Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, in a studio by Butch Vig, who went on to become a huge guy in the grunge business, Nirvana started off this whole grunge scene in Seattle, but none of their songs were actually recorded there at all. Uh, Butch Vig was was making it kind of kind of a name for himself in Madison, Wisconsin for these lower end bands, these not, 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 not grunge, but more hard rock, heavy metal, and punk. And he set up shop there because it was right in between Chicago and the Twin Cities. Chicago and Minneapolis-St. Paul, huge musical towns, huge musical cities. He set up a studio recording business in an old building midway between the two in Madison, Wisconsin, and that's where that song, uh, Polly, was recorded. And so Nirvana, Nevermind, was huge. Their next album was called In Utero, which I'm not going to review today, but that was recorded in Pachyderm Studios in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. So a lot of connection there with, with Big, Butch Vig that he liked to get groups to record without, without other distractions, without other distractions. So between Madison, Wisconsin and, and uh, Cannon Falls, Minnesota, I've driven by that studio called Pachyderm. It's just outside of town there in a remote location. Big windows, a lot of uh, outside nature uh, viewing, and that's where the, the, the bands are able to hang out, record their albums, and not get distracted with with things off to the side. But that is Mr. Spencer there. I'm going to go back and, and pull him out of the uh, out of the deal. So let's go through the track listings. Now keep in mind, I, I'm, you may be the same way, Andy. I, I was a hard rock guy and a heavy metal guy. The whole grunge thing, the 90s, I was not a fan of. I don't even listen to this, this record when it first came out. I wasn't a fan of the grunge scene until the mid-2000s before I even became a fan of this music.
1: Yeah, I was a little late to the
0: party on that one too, and I didn't. I didn't like it because it was different and whatnot. I like my own heavy metal music, but the album. The reason I like the album, this particular album, is the songs that were never uh, released as singles. Um, in other words, I didn't like this, the popular songs on this album, and so maybe this, exactly. listeners listening to this to this show today who are not a fan may become a fan. This album went ten times platinum, and so we get the old. Uh, track number one on the cd smells like teen spirit that's the one they released first that's the one that was got over and over airplay on mtv and everywhere you went now the story behind that song smells like teen spirit kurt cobain made a, uh, a it was a joke off a deodorant that was popular at the time for kids called teen spirit he makes a song called smells like teen spirit you know stupid a, a comical. Uh, satire about a deodorant and that, that's kind of the the thing once you once you understand the, the grunge and the comedy and some of the uh funny stories built into some of these songs uh, as far as these guys didn't care they were not out to uh, impress anybody at all which is which is pretty good that was their first um uh, song then the next song is in bloom and then come as you are breed lithium and then Polly. Polly was that song recorded with a different, actually a different drummer. Dave Grohl wasn't even on the drums, I don't think, when they recorded that in Madison, Wisconsin. Now I'm going to bring up the, the story here. Uh, Polly was never released uh, as a single, but it was a very interesting story that they made, they did, based on a true life horror story. Uh, let me look it up here. Let me find it. Let me find the song. But it, it takes place in, in, about a Tacoma incident incident in Tacoma Washington let's see Polly was about a real-life girl who was uh, raped and tortured at the age of 14 in Tacoma at Tacoma Washington uh, she she was she escaped a scene where she was being held in a mobile home tied up to a a pulley like a pulley system upside down she was hung and she was uh, uh, raped, tortured, and abused by a blowtorch. Uh, a blowtorch. This was 1984 in Tacoma, Washington. She got out and escaped, and that song is written about, the lyrics are about her story and her journey, how she escaped uh, when he was least suspecting it and was occupied with other things, and she was able to uh, uh, get away. So that's that's the Polly song. Then we get the next song, Territorial Pissings, which is very good. Drain You, which is probably my favorite song on the uh, on the album lounge act another one very good stay away and on a plane another one of my favorites on a plane Uh, and that's p-l-a-i-n not an airplane but on a plane like a uh, outside in a pasture on a plane then it wraps up with something in the way that was track 12 is called something in 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 the way and what they did And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, Andy, or not, but they released a a hidden track uh, at the end of track 12. There's 10 minutes of silence at the end of track 12, something in the way. And then there's a song called Endless Nameless. That's, that's, That's at the end of that. The entire track 12 track, track number 12, is 20 minutes and 30 seconds long. So there's a song, silent space, and a hidden track at the end. Uh, called "Endless Nameless." Now the story is when they sent this originally to to the print, to the printing press for the LP for the records to be made and pressed, uh, they gave sp- specific instructions that said, "You know, we have another track at the end of this. Uh, make sure you include that." Uh, the printing press realized the mistake. He he printed the first twelve songs after the song twelve ended. Didn't know or didn't get the get the mem- memo officially that there's 10 minutes of silence and then another song at the end. Uh, they found that out after 20,000 albums were printed and released. After that, they went back and corrected it. So there's a, there's a collector's item as far as those first very first releases that's really only 12 songs on that album. All the rest, and that, like I said, this thing went 10 times platinum, 10 million album sales. Um, but there is a secret track uh, in there and um that's that's the uh that's the track there there there's the track listings right there uh very good stuff Kurt Cobain you know, died 1994 uh the band broke up Foo, Foo Fighters was created uh after Dave Grohl uh, started his own band essentially and that went on of course to be multi multi million but and I don't know if I have any other L, uh images here to bring up would yeah, you that, say Foo
1: Fighters is more hard rock, like what we listen to with the Hair Bands? Or would you say they're more grunge, or have we just accepted it and combined the two?
0: Well, Foo Fighters is more hard rock, I think, and then recently have come out more of really commercial. But because Grohl is so talented, he does the singing for the for the Foo Fighters. Yeah. But he we came are, up. Yeah. He came up as a as a professional drummer, and uh, in fact, uh, is well versed on electro guitar and bass so when he was the band was going through nirvana breaking up around about the time before the death of of cobain he was recording and writing his own stuff uh cobain dies the band breaks up he puts his own album together recorded it by himself that very first debut album is him on bass him on guitar him on rhythm guitar and him on vocals and him on drums and then when he put all that together on a four-track uh, recording device, uh, re- released it. It went huge, and then they went on tour, and he had to he had to start hire, hiring guys. So the Foo Fighters grew out of, the, basically, a Dave Grohl, was the, was the band. So that's very interesting. But uh,
1: Blackie Lawless had some Wasp albums at the end. Too. He did
0: very talented guys. These these guys were, but uh, like I said earlier you know dave grohl was in this grunge or a punk rock band called scream based in washington dc and uh they weren't doing that 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 well they were touring uh from the east coast to the west coast traveling out of out of a van with all their equipment in this van they get to la they did a couple shows they're broke the 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 guy running the band says that's it i give up i quit i'm i'm calling it out and the rest of the players in the band, well, what do we do? Well, they left him there. Uh, Dave Grohl then started going, attending a bunch of concerts in the L.A. area because that's what, that's what he was left. And then uh, got picked up by Nirvana when they were down there doing a show. And they said, look at this guy. He's now out of a job. He needs something to do. He's a really good drummer. Nirvana's first album, Bleach, didn't do that well. You get a powerhouse guy like, like Dave Grohl in the drums, they interviewed him came in, hired him. He's a heavy drummer, like a John Bonham uh, guy from Led yeah. Zeppelin. And boy, that's what really took off with uh, Nirvana. And I don't know, don't know if I'd really call it grunge, but that's what started the whole grunge scene off, was this album right there with the baby on, on the top. But, uh, I, I think got... their
1: look was more grunge than their song.
0: It was more the look. Yep. And uh, boy, they went through the roof and sold everything. Uh, but there Certain was that.
1: Ban- and grunge and rock
0: there's a there's a there is a big big difference and um it, it all came out of that Pacific Northwest scene a lot of those bands but a lot of them were already around before Nirvana even became on the scene you know Soundgarden had been playing a couple couple half a decade already bands like mud honey, Bud, uh, mud honey Screaming Trees uh, Soundgarden you know Alice in Chains came up later but Nirvana pushed it to the focus, the spotlight, the media spotlight uh, out of these out of these bands, and then it just took off, um, huge. I've got a
1: Altan Chains and Pearl Jam and stuff too, because the spotlight was there.
0: It was all there, and then other bands, uh, Candlebox and things, you know, came out of that because they knew that uh, they were going to get picked up, and a lot of these less talented bands were getting huge, huge uh, contracts, record label contracts, because uh, of this, and. As long as you came out of Seattle, you were getting a big band, whether uh, big money, whether you were uh, talented or not. Nirvana came out of Aberdeen, Washington, formed by Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic. And, uh, you know, they signed to that uh, Seattle independent record label called Sub Pop. And their drummer at the time was Chad Channing. And um, that didn't work. Like I said, they got Grohl. They moved on. And, um, but this was... Uh, some good stuff. Uh, they had, let's see. I was going to look at some other notes here, relating. It, very good, very good stories out of this. Uh.
1: The, the two things I got from Nirvana: the stories I hear is, you think back to the MTV Music Awards and the bass player threw the guitar up and dropped on the Henny. He was out. And <laughs> if you're part of one. And uh, second of all, they're on Saturday Night Live. They did their performance on Saturday Night Live. Which everybody thinks you made it big musically. Then when you're on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it's like a comedian. If you're on Johnny Carson, you made it big. If you're a music guy, you thought you made it big on Saturday Night Live. Kurt Cobain says, "I didn't think I was big then." He goes, "I knew I was big when Weird Al called me and wanted to do a parody of one of our songs." He goes, "I knew we made it then."
0: It's it's true. It it, it, was, it was huge. Uh, I'm just reading here the when Butch Vig was having him record some of the some of the vocals. Kurt Cobain was very known for not wanting to do things. More than a two, three times, and and they were had to lay down these tracks, you know, ten, fifteen times. And, and Cobain was just not a fan. He said, "Get it. Let's lay down a couple tracks, and you know what? Pick the one that's best, and we'll go with it. It doesn't have to be perfect." And that's all part of this part of the uh, the grunge scene as well. You've got a lot of uh, bad sounds and tones in there. It's not crisp. It's not clear. Butch Vig on a couple songs says, "You know what? We want to overdub." some of these tracks of your vocals on the same song uh you know two two versions in one and play it together uh kind of an echo effect and yeah. cobain says you know what i'm not into that Let's, i'm done i don't want to do this so vig butch vig was the one who convinced him he says we can double track some of your vocals because he said you know what john lennon did it john lennon did it this was never true but butch vig says the only way to convince cobain I told him that John Lennon was was popular at doing this uh, back in his recording days, and, and Cobain says, "You know what? Uh, yeah, let's give it a shot." Told him later after he, after he died, uh, he, he he made it public. He says, "No, you know John Lennon uh, d- didn't do that, but I had to come up with anything I could to get him to uh, to turn that corner to do some of this in uh, in you know eventually." So. That was really it. Uh, now remember the story in two thousand eight in Hollywood, California, the Universal building burnt down, or a portion of it built burnt down with a fire in that building. That building housed a lot of the Tom Petty original tracks and the original music for this Nevermind album by Nirvana. The original master tracks were in that building at Universal and were burnt and were p- part of the loss to this day. So that. That was that came out later. Chris Novoselic uh, came out in an interview and said, "You know, we lost. We don't have the master tracks to to any of the songs on this. They were housed at that location in Universal, and were lost after that fire broke out. Uh, a lot of the time."
1: What's Chris Novoselic
0: doing now? No, Novoselic got into politics, of all things. Oh, no. In fact, he was running for House uh, House Representatives uh, in that Seattle area in that Pacific Northwest and um, spent a lot of time doing that. He's in, involved in politics. Many many thought that he was going to run for governor or get himself uh, in there in into Washington in the Seattle either as a senator, House of Reps, governor or something, in hopes that uh they were pushing he was gonna possibly push to have that Kurt Cobain uh suicide case reopened or reinvestigated. Uh, those who followed that case know that it's not a suicide at all, and it certainly wasn't a conspiracy uh, as far as a theory, but uh, how he died in in that house in 1994, uh, it was physically impossible for him to pull a trigger on himself or kill himself, so there's another deeper story there, yeah. but the Novoselic uh, running for public office, there were some under under undercurrents that he wanted to get in and then... Uh, have the power or the clout to reopen that p- case because the Seattle PD is... Uh, it's said, or
1: what?
0: Have, what? Ha- they've said uh, over and over, regardless of what comes forth in the investigation in that death, uh, they are never, ever going to reopen uh, that case. So uh, right now it's down as a, as a suicide. Uh, what was your question?
1: Did, did what party did he run as when he ran for Senate? Independent party or...
0: I think he was an independent. We could, we could look What's him on? up, but he was... He was running. This was five ten years back now, and uh, and Novoselic's a big. Well,
1: we a t- one in the office, so what do we know?
0: He was a tall guy. He's 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 like six foot ten, I think. Isn't Novoselic? Right. Yeah. And, and that first album, uh, his in the liner notes was credited. His first name was spelled with a C, C H uh, R I S, and ever since then, Chris Novoselic, after they became big, was known as Christ with a K, K R I S T, Chris. Oh. Novoselic, but the liner notes did show his name spelling with the C, his first name uh, as Chris Novoselic. So, very important album overall because of the impact it had and all the funny uh, little oddities uh, surrounding it as well. But there you go, there's the image of the uh, uh, what's his name, Steven, uh, the model now. Yeah, <laughs> there he was. Uh, they were looking at stock images, they wanted to have. And you know why, Andy? Uh, you may not know this, but the popular thing at that time, 1991, was people, women, pregnant women giving birth underwater. And that's they were watching a television show, I think, with Dave Grohl and Kurt Cobain, and they said we should have an album cover of a baby underwater. And so they searched around with some marketing firms to says, can we find a stock image that we can use on our album cover um, of a stock image and pay someone royalties? for an already existing photo. They said the best one that we can come up with uh requires you to pay them seventy five hundred dollars a year annually, seventy five hundred bucks to use that image. And they were they weren't making money. They didn't have a, they were struggling financially before this album came out. And uh they said, no, let's just do it ourselves. And that's when they talked to the dad who was in on some of the in in around the scene and says I've got a four month old infant who's a boy how about you drop him in the water? And like like I said, they paid him a one-time $200 fee, and the rest is history.
1: Can you see your parents making $200 on you? Sure, drop them in the water
0: right now. Uh, uh, it's an awesome, awesome story. And so, uh, but once again, this album sold $10 million. That's 10 times platinum. And uh, I wanted to get this one uh, reviewed here for the show today because of all the, uh, the history and the Minnesota connection. Their follow-up album in utero, like I said, was originally... Uh taped and recorded in Cannon Falls, Minnesota, so
1: did not know that second one was recorded here no.
0: and then they did they did a lot of redubs and, and and mastering later in Seattle and I think Hollywood, but the original recording uh they rented out that space in Cannon Falls for a two week period. And, uh, by that time, Courtney Love was full into the fray and she was there, uh, visiting and spending a lot of time and they, they, they couldn't get a lot of the tracks laid down because she was already a distraction back then in the Cannon Falls location. And then, uh, she, her, later, her band named Hole had a, I think their basis was out of Minneapolis. So even, even, uh, Courtney Love has a lot of Minneapolis based connections in the music business along with Kurt Cobain and, uh, and the whole... Madison, Wisconsin connection, as well.
1: Very nice.
0: That's all I've got for that. All
1: right.